0: To River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, my name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk.
1: On today's show, the vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History, is happening next Thursday, November 29th. And in advance of the conversation, we've got two of the panelists on the show today, members of the Making Poverty History Manitoba Steering Committee. Kirsten Bernas and Al Wiebe will join us to talk poverty and what to expect during this important public conversation.
0: Then, in staying on the topic of poverty, we're going to be speaking with Brian McKinnon. He's the founder and director of McKinnon's Why Not Anti-Poverty Program. And we're going to learn how it's helping to change lives in the inner city through fitness and through karate programming.
1: Then we'll speak with the University of Winnipeg's Dr. Judith Harris about the Walls to Bridges program. It's a program that brings incarcerated students and campus-enrolled students together to learn as peers behind correctional facility walls. We'll also get to hear from Betha Cacho, one of the students from the program.
0: We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. My name is Nolan. I'm here, as always, with Mr. Robert Zirk. Robert? How are you doing this fine day?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing Nolan?
0: I'm I'm well, thank you. Uh it's kind of a somber program today. You know, we're talking in poverty almost uh entirely. We've got a lot of the next couple shows actually are going to be focusing on pro- poverty because the next uh, Winnipeg Foundation Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030. This one's about making poverty history and and sort of it's it's such a huge topic, and it's a it's a really difficult topic to deal with because it's it's dealing with real people and real lives. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not nervous, but I'm I don't know what the what the term is because it's hard to talk about these difficult conversations. But it's, it's it'll be interesting. Such a, it's a
1: very complex issue. For sure, um, and there's it's there's not an easy fix to it. Um, but it is an an important conversation to have. Um, not everyone is on the same playing field, and uh, you know, those who find themselves affected by poverty often face a variety of of barriers that that make it really difficult to get out. And so this will be, you know, the vital conversation next week. Uh, We'll hopefully will hopefully uh, create a lot of dialogue and and hopefully get some ideas. Um, Bishop Jane Alexander will be in from Edmonton to share some of the ideas uh, and some of the work behind what she's been doing with End Poverty Edmonton. So there might be some ideas that we could adapt here in Winnipeg. Uh, It'll be a really great event and, uh, Spaces are filling up really, really fast for the Vital Conversation. So if you are interested in attending, that's next Thursday, November 29th. And that's at the University of Winnipeg's uh, Science and Environment Campus uh, at 599 Portage Avenue uh, at 7 o'clock that evening. The website address to RSVP is winnipegvitalsigns.org. Again, that's winnipegvitalsigns.org
0: our first conversation today is going to be with two of the panelists that are going to be at the Vital Conversation, Kirsten Bernass and Al Weeb. They're both members of the Making Poverty History Manitoba's steering committee. Uh, they're two very intelligent and uh, well-spoken individuals who are going to talk a little bit about poverty, and uh, Al actually has lived experience as a person who lived in poverty, so excited to talk to him and Kirsten. That's coming up after our first musical break. We always kick things off with a, sh- with a song. So, Robert, what have you brought for us today? We'll start the show- show
1: off with K-Star
0: and What a Difference a Day
1: Made, right here on River City 360.
2: What a difference a day made 24 little hours brought the sun and the flowers where well, a day There's a rainbow before me Skies above can't be stormy Since that moment of bliss That thrilling kiss It's heaven when you find romance on your menu what a difference a day made and the difference is
0: listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by two very special guests. We have Al Weeb and Kirsten Bernass. Al, well, they're both members of the steering committee for Make Poverty History Manitoba. Al is a peer engagement specialist for the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, and Kirsten Burnass is the director of housing at the West Central Women's Resource Centre. Al and Kirsten, thank you for joining us. Mm, thank thank you. you. So I guess before we get into anything, we're going to be talking about the vital conversation that's happening on November 29th, at at the University of Winnipeg, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But before we sort of get into the meat and potatoes of things, maybe just tell me—I'll tell me about yourself. What, 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 what brought you to this point?
3: Uh, very long and complex story. Long story short is, um, I used to be a one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, hundred and twenty hundred dollars a year earner, and ended up on the street for two years, and. Um, after recovering from that i uh, became uh, i've spent the last five years of my life dedicated to the homeless sector and and uh, lived experience uh, the lived experience of homelessness and because uh, I think that when you deal with any aspect uh, any conversation dealing with homelessness, there has to be a person who has lived experience mm-hmm. around that table because how can you actually talk about homelessness unless you have had the experience no of that too to really impact the conversation. Well talk
0: about true empathy, right? Like you've literally been in their shoes. Um,
3: I always say that empathy is the biggest word in the excuse me, biggest word in the English language. And right. um you can't go wrong if you have that.
0: Right. Well, you guys are both going to be on the panel at the uh, Vital Conversation on the 29th. Kirsten, what's your what expertise do you bring to the to the table here? I understand you're on the Right to Housing Coalition's provincial committee as well. Uh, your work with the West Central Women's Resource Center. Just give us sort of a, a rundown of, of your uh, of your history.
4: Yeah, I think uh, through the work that I've been involved in, you know, it's been about really listening to. People who have lived experience of poverty mm-hmm. and homelessness, uh, listening to the people who are working directly with them to find out, well, what kinds of things can our governments be doing differently mm-hmm. to um, have an impact on on poverty and homelessness? Um, and then through my work and my in, uh, partnerships with coalitions like Make Poverty History and Right to Housing Coalition, uh, we work to... Promote those solutions to the general public right. and and right. to governments to see some some changes. And so, um, I think this event that's coming up next week, the Vital Conversation, is going to be a great opportunity uh, to have you know have that conversation with Winnipeggers and hear more about you know what kinds of uh, solutions we could be engaging in with with our governments.
0: It's a yeah. pretty big issue like it's multifaceted there's a whole bunch of different sort of prongs to to attack this problem but what do you think the average person should know or should be able to do to try to at least start combating this issue
3: that's a big question (laughs) (laughs) uh if we're talking about homelessness and well poverty and homelessness um the average person yeah. Is it an education it's, issue it's, primarily? It, like just
0: un- having it, people understand what the education, problem is?
3: Education is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, many people um, have the, really the wrong impression of, of what a homeless person who a homeless person is, have a, a, a really um, lack of knowledge on what poverty can do to a person and the devastating impact it has on, on people. Um, it pr- prohibits people from moving forward in their lives and it's devastating it takes lives. And it holds them down, down holds too, right? It holds it's them not, down. It's hard to dig yourself out once you get um, in there. I, one of my things when I speak, I always say the, um, uh, we, we, sure, it's nice to, to bring people off the streets. We lift them off the streets but then we plunk them straight down into the crucible of poverty mm. and, Impossible to get out of, it and it's pulverizing. Well, because it's,
0: it's expensive to be poor. Like, it costs you financially, <laughs> physically, emotionally, mentally to, to, to be in that position, right? Yeah. Um, Kirsten, what's, what role does the West Central Women's Resource Center take? Uh, like, how often are you dealing with people who are dealing with poverty, and, and how do you try to help them?
4: Right, so we're working uh, primarily with women and their families. We're a women's resource center, um, and nearly every woman who accesses our center is, you know, struggling with issues related to to poverty um, and homelessness, low income. So we, you know, offer, I think, a number of solutions or supports for them. One is just being a place... Where they can go, where they can mm-hmm. feel safe and and con- you know connect with other people in the community, you know uh, have a coffee, have something to eat, yeah. and just have that social connection that mm-hmm. can be um, missing when when you are experiencing these challenges. Um, we have services in our drop-in to meet basic needs, right? Mm-hmm. So I already mentioned like around food, we've got shower service, laundry service, um, and then for women who want to access you know other programming we can work with women around challenges they're having in accessing housing or if they're already housed, you know, just to maintain their housing. We have a mentorship program Mm -hmm. where uh, we actually do some training with women and then they can um, have like employment opportunities within our center to Mm -hmm. get some employment experience. That's huge. Um, Yeah. So those are just a, a couple of things that we're doing, but we also recognize that you know the work that we're doing in the community at the at the front line is not enough, right? So what what kind of work can we also mm-hmm. be doing to make it so that women don't need to come to centers like ours right. to access yeah. these basic needs, right? And that's why we get involved in coalitions like Make Poverty History, right? To housing, where we're looking at these longer term solutions that you know require more than just us working in the mm-hmm. center to come together to to address it's the problem.
0: It, it's more beam proactive rather than mm. reactive to, and, and, and helping the cause,
3: the root cause, as opposed to the, exactly. the symptom. Yeah. And what they do is so, so important because uh, poverty brings isolation, mm-hmm. and community is so terribly important. Um, when a person's in isolation, it, it leads to nothing good. It, it leads to uh, more acute depression and right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, community is really good, and West Central Women's does an amazing, amazing job of that for sure yeah. i mean i
0: think it's we we take things for granted almost when it you know when you're talking about a cup of coffee and a conversation with a friend how important w- was that to you when you were living this experience
3: just a um, I i i never i was a hidden homeless person oh. i never had a cup of coffee with anyone for, for two whole years out there oh for a year um when i was totally isolated um my, cof- my cup of coffee came from drive- uh, walking through the drive thru and picking up change and going into the McDonald's and spending that change on a cup of coffee. I was a totally isolated person. And um, this is why community is really, really important. And it led to some tragic um, things happening in my life at that, at that point in time. For sure. Um, and um, I have to really uh, commend Kristen. She is one of my heroes, even when vague today, because she does such exemplary work on the poverty issue. For and,
0: sure. Uh, Well, both of you being able to talk about this and share your expertise at the Vital Conversation is going to be vitally important. So thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to take a quick musical break, play a little song, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Vital Conversation happening this Thursday, November 29th. And uh, we'll have details all about that when we return. You are listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. To river city 360 nolan and robert here with you today and we're continuing our conversation with al weeb and kirsten burnass they are both going to be on the panel at the upcoming vital conversation making poverty history happening this thursday november 29th at the university of winnipeg um so thank you for being here again and my first question on our sort of second half here is what are you guys wanting to talk what do you guys hope we talk about at the vital conversation happening uh, next thursday
4: Well, I think one of the messages um, that we're hoping people will walk away with is, you know, that just how serious the issue of poverty is in our city. Um, I think we all see it, but um, to understand really the impact that it has not only on the people who are experiencing, Mm -hmm. but all of us as a community, right? That's important. Um, And then I think the second piece is then what do we do about Mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think we're hoping people will be able to hear more about how here in Winnipeg, our communities are coming together to look Mm. at solutions and how we're starting to um, work more closely with different levels of government here, Mm. like the city Mm. of Winnipeg um, and the province of Manitoba to, to act on some of these solutions. We're going to have an excellent keynote speaker come in from um, Edmonton, bishop jane alexander who's been very actively involved in the work that the community has done in edmonton to partner with the city of edmonton to create a comprehensive plan to to end poverty in edmonton and so i think it's going to be so great to be able to hear the work that's mm-hmm. going on there and and hopefully will inspire us to move forward and get more people involved in in that approach mm-hmm, here for sure.
3: yeah i i think um Anytime you you get a platform to educate people, it's really, really important. Um, A person living in homelessness lives seven years less than a person living in poverty. And a person in poverty lives seven years less than the average person making the average income. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people out there are living on borrowed time. I I consider myself one of those people. I think that um, to be able to... uh, have a venue like this is is going to be really really good because people just don 't understand that the um, travesty of homeless of, of poverty they mm-hmm. just really don't get it yeah. um, people make uh, trips to to grocery stores and won't buy milk won't buy bread won't buy anything unless it's on sale at fifty mm-hmm. percent off or thirty percent off because they can't simply can't afford it mm-hmm. um, we need to we need to um, have a strong voice we need to reach the government in all manner that we can mm-hmm. and uh, make poverty. history is doing a really really good job of doing that but sure. we need we need to have platforms like this and venues like this yeah. to actually s- say that um in, in the last 12 months from july to july um our provincial government um ra- lowered um rent assist which is meant to help people living in poverty um to, to pay their rent mm-hmm. and that's huge and they've also raised by five percent from july to july of 17 to 18 the percentage that people pay when they're living in subsidized housing oh. and um, and so uh, among other things that i could go on and on uh, people have suffered from the 25 uh, cent increase in uh, bus fare we need to talk yeah. about these issues things that
0: so- that sound at, in a in a vacuum maybe not crazy huge but when uh, you when you take it down to this level where that that
3: can be really huge for someone who's struggling uh, day to day, I tell you what: you have a single mother, uh, not on welfare, but l- working for minimum wage and supporting one or two children. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. Uh, you take $60, seventy dollars a month away from that mother. Uh, that that food that that money comes directly uh, from the mouths of the children that right. she's trying to feed. For sure, and it's uh, it's it's, it's um, unimaginable un- um, actually. So
0: this con- the vital conversation is likely going to create new conversations, create new connections. What do you hope people, what do you I hope people sort of, the average person, what do you want them to walk away with?
3: Um, I want them to walk away with empathy Mm -hmm. uh, and understanding for those living in poverty. It's it's a a real tragic life. And I need to, and I think people need to know that um, anything that you do is not too small. Right. And I, I need people to be aware and I need small things to, add up I need people to reach out mm-hmm. and I need people to really understand what poverty is and if you can't help please do it
0: for sure we just got to take care of each other at the end of the day I think when it, when it all comes down to it so al I understand mm-hmm. before we get going here sure. um, I understand that you actually host a radio show as well that talks about this lived experience I do what's it called when did, when does it air
3: uh there's uh, Fridays from uh, eleven to 12 a.m uh, and it's called uh, of no fixed address um that uh, title is uh, is really important to me. Um, uh, I, I got that because when I was um, – I went to a hospital when I was uh, experiencing homelessness, and the triage nurse uh, asked me what my address was, and mm. I said oh, I didn't have one. He says, you mean, oh, no fixed address? And so that kind of – that phrase kind of stuck okay. in my head. And it's um, all about the um, issues of homelessness in our city.
0: Very cool. So CKUW, Mm -hmm. eleven a.m. on Fridays. You can
3: ninety-five point nine FM. Every Friday. Every Friday, eleven to twelve. When I'm not there, I I usually uh, uh, run uh, excerpts from uh, a homeless um, marathon we did last year. Oh wow! And we're up uh, to be doing one again. I think next month. Very cool. And uh, but it's uh, every uh, every week. Uh, we bring in stakeholders. Uh, we've had uh, West Central Women's uh, Resource Center on. I have to yet to have uh, Kristen on on the show, <laughs> uh, but we have. Um, we talked to politicians this year during the political season. We had politicians awesome. and holding their feet to the fire on what they could do to change poverty and homelessness.
0: Wonderful. Well, so again, that's Fridays at eleven a.m. Mm. on
3: CKUW. Tune in for
0: some really interesting conversation on No Fixed Address. Thank you. So this Thursday or next Thursday november twenty ninth at the <laughs> University of Winnipeg you guys are going both going to be on the uh, on the making poverty history. Vital conversation um, panel. So, thank you very much for being on yeah. the panel uh, next week. It's w- for more information, you can go to winnipegvitalsigns.org. dot uh, org. There is very few tickets left, if any. It's going to be a very packed house. It's going to be an important conversation that we're having here in Winnipeg. And at the end of the day, let's just all take care of each other because that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirsten and Al, thank you very much for talking to us. We'll see you next Thursday at the Vital Conversation, and we really appreciate your time.
3: Okay. Uh, thank, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Nolan. And as Kirsten and Al mentioned, the Vital Conversation is taking place next Thursday, November 29th. That's your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. And you can find more information about it or RSVP at winnipegvitalsigns.org. Coming up next, we're going to learn about McKinnon's Why Not Anti-Poverty Program. It's one of many organizations that are helping to combat the issue of poverty here in our city, and I'll be speaking with founder and director Brian McKinnon to learn more about the program. Before we get to that, though, here is Count Basie with Come Rain or Come Shine right here on River City 360. (laughs) Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today and I am now joined via telephone by Brian McKinnon. He is the founder, director and chairman of the Why Not Anti-Poverty Program. We're going to learn a little bit more about the program today. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me.
5: My pleasure, Robert. Thanks Thanks so much for having us.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you started the Why Not Anti-Poverty Program.
5: It kind of goes back to my childhood. My dad was an orthopedic surgeon and he was a field surgeon with the Royal Canadian Medical Corps uh, in World War II. Uh, When uh, Medicare was coming in on a national level with Lester B. Pearson in 1963, I was 18 at that time, that then said to me, Brian, over 30% of my practice is free. I never turn anyone away. And so that statement and and my my father's love of humanity, love of helping people, that was a huge huge influence in in my life. So then when I became a teacher and I taught at uh, St. John's Ravenscourt and I taught in the inner city, when I crossed the sociological spectrum, having taught at St. John's Ravenscourt for actually only one year, it was just, you know, an absolutely huge eye-opener. Poverty is a huge issue There's so much uh, to do uh, and there's so much to learn.
1: So walk me through to the moment where you decided, I want to take action on this. How did you get to the point where you started the Why Not
5: Anti-Poverty Program? There were so many uh, many different things. Um, Like, for example, you know, I couldn't help but notice other students who uh, didn't seem to be in the cafeteria and so on. Teachers would have to advocate to get special passes, lunch passes for students because, I mean, some students wouldn't have the breakfast, and then also, like, everybody deserves, you know, three meals a day. So I started, uh, you know, sharing my lunches, uh, buying lunches, and also uh, when food passes weren't available and bringing granola bars to class. So that was, uh, you know, that was a central issue. I came up with this uh, this kind of idea that, you know, poverty like war and global warming is a failure of the human imagination. And so there are things that can be done. We just have to take action rather than just be bystanders. It goes back to what I saw. And when we got the program going in September 2002, and we started to send students to the downtown Y, when the students were filling out the forms, they identified why they wanted to go to the Y. And these are some of the things that they said. To do something positive, to get in shape, to stay out of trouble, to build self-esteem, to do better in school, and perhaps most poignant of all, that which brings tears to eyes, to have something to do, to have somewhere to go. So, like, boredom is also like a a, a huge, uh, you know, uh, challenge in in the inner city. Charities are not about, uh, you know, handouts, they're about healing and empowerment and uh, our motto was hey why not why not work out at the downtown y and stay out of trouble and become a super healthy person and uh and get on with your dreams get on with those life dreams because they're sensible to you if you get involved in regular exercise.
1: So what does that mean in the context of reducing poverty? How does that self-empowerment contribute to people's overall well-being and reducing poverty?
5: There's just not enough attention being paid to those in poverty. It's general knowledge that the opportunities for exercise and, and going to a gym and fitness facilities is, is great for the human health, but if you don't have that opportunity, Maybe your only alternative is the street, and you can't you can't afford to to go to a movie or anything like that. So it gets really serious because we all have you know this hierarchy Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So McKim's went on any poverty program naturally evolved through my teaching, my own poetry, teaching creative writing to my inner city students. So I learned from my inner city students; they taught me so much, and I listened to their feedback as a kind of guide about how best to reach out to them to try to make a lasting difference in their lives. I taught that writing releases frustration, anger, and brings healing. But I also did push-ups and karate moves in my classes especially when I was tired of calling up energy from the key, from the center. I taught that regular exercise releases frustration and anger. And and even if we know this, we need to be reminded it over and over again also brings peace of mind.
1: In addition to providing free memberships to the Y for people who are part of the Why Not Anti-Poverty Program, there's also the uh, the Why Not Inner City Program karate program that you're very involved with. Uh, tell us a little about that and how that's not only helping people in terms of their overall wellness, but it's also building some community in the inner city.
5: Well, uh, you know, we all have teachers, right? I had an astonishing English professor at University of Manitoba. Also, I had astonishing karate instructors as the late sensei, Tug Wilson. Uh, Tug Wilson was, uh, you know, a uh, high-ranked uh, black belt in judo and karate. You know, he, he, he pulled guys off Main Street and turned their lives around. So Tug Wilson was a huge inspiration in my life. So we ran a karate uh, program at RB Russell for uh, five years with uh, Fifth Degree Black Belt Sensei Walter Crockford in our uh, Why Not Inner City U of W uh, karate program. We got this fabulous sensei, Alan Taylor, third-degree black belt, who's a CFS emergency replacement coordinator, uh, and he is a brilliant karate instructor and teaches with such compassion and understanding for inner-city kids from eight and up. And we have families, entire families involved in the program. We're running around 35 members, but we had about, you know, at least 150 people going through. We've hosted provincial karate tournaments and so on. So karate is really, really good for releasing frustration and anger and uh, for building self-esteem, self-confidence. And also, he just promotes mental health. One of the guys who was participating for a couple years, and now he's gone on to do other stuff, he got his green belt, schizophrenic guy, and he was saying, former student of mine, he was saying that was just what he needed at that time in his life was an anchor. And there's a tremendous camaraderie, and it teaches good sportsmanship, and then you have the satisfaction of, uh, you know, progress through, through, uh, uh, gradings and the uniforms are free after two months. And, uh, it's, uh, and we provide emergency groceries for those uh, from time to time for those individuals and families who need it uh, in the CRATI program. And we provide uh, bus fare.
1: If any of our listeners would like to support the why not anti-poverty program, or if they'd like to learn more, what's the best way to get more information?
5: My email is B underscore McKinnon at hotmail. Dot .com and again McKinnon is spelled M A C K I N N O N and my cell phone number is 204-294-7738 and if anybody wants to volunteer for the program in helping in fundraising that's great uh, if they, uh, they can also help the program by joining our credit program and supporting people in the program by just being there and we also uh, you know uh, offer Uh, Letters of reference and also uh, community service uh, testimonials. This is a team effort. Uh, other people want to join the team. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, we can also invite uh, affluent families who want to join our Why Not Karate program, and uh, and just their presence there, and working out with the with the inner city people. It's, you know, it would it'd be fantastic. Uh, we'd love to hire more black belts and have more karate opportunities in in Winnipeg for for those who can't afford to pay for karate, uh, karate lessons.
1: Thank you so much, Brian, for speaking with me today about the Why Not Anti-Poverty Program and the work it's doing to combat poverty here in Winnipeg.
5: Absolutely my pleasure, uh, Robert. We're very appreciative of, of this opportunity.
0: Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, our senior producer here at RC360, Sonny Permolo, is bringing us his conversation, actually two conversations with University of Winnipeg's Dr. Judith Harris about the walls, walls to Bridges program. He's also going to be speaking with Beta Cacho, one of the students from the program as well. This program is pretty unique one in that uh it brings incarcerated students and campus enrolled students together to learn sort of as peers behind correctional facility walls really interesting program can't wait to learn all about it from sunny but before we get to that here's uh jeff jeff healy with wrap your troubles in dreams right here on river city 360
6: funny that way No use to grumble Smile as they fall Weren't you king for a day Say Just remember that sunshine Always follows the rain Just wrap your troubles
7: Hello and welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sunny promolo and I'm with Dr. Judith Harris, who is an associate professor in the Department of Urban and Inner City Studies and is spearheading the Walls to Bridges program. Thank you for speaking with me today.
8: Thank you for being interested in this, my favorite program.
7: <laughs> so tell me about this program. What is Walls to Bridges and what helped you decide to develop this program?
8: Walls to Bridges is a program that started by Lori Pompa and she uh, had been taking her students into Graterford Prison in Pennsylvania, and she had got the idea, along with some of the the inside students, that maybe they should actually be teaching classes in the prison with half the class outside students that are university enrolled, and half that are inside students who are also enrolled in the course and getting it for credit. And uh, here in Winnipeg, we heard about this program, and I went down to get training the training takes place in the prison so it's the guys in prison at Greaterford who are teaching us faculty how to teach most effectively in a prison when I went in there I was very affected by this I came back to Winnipeg I spoke to Larry Morissette Larry Morissette was running OPK, which is a gang transition program. Larry said, you've got to teach this uh, in Manitoba. Manitoba needs this. So we had a contact at um, the Women's Correctional Centre, and we started with a spring course, and that was uh, a second-year course, community development. So that uh, has brought us to the point where we've now got seven students who were in that provincial facility who are now studying at University of Winnipeg and doing very well.
7: In your opinion, why should a student want to join the program and what are the benefits for each?
8: Currently we're teaching at Stony Mountain and the guys inside uh, have said this is a blessing. They feel normal when they're in class. They read, they're hungry for stimulation. The men that we're working with right now are medium and minimum security men and uh, so this program is something that's hopeful for them. Getting their student card is really a key moment for them and I've seen students, you know, kiss their card when they get their student card with their picture and their number on it. For them, it's hope It's also something that shows that they're working towards something better. They want to take a picture and send it to their families, to their children, to show them what is possible. So that hope is very important to them. The outside students find it a transformative experience and so it's a a two-way flow of information because many of them are not aware of prison life, what it's like. a little cautious when they go into the classroom at first, but pretty soon everyone feels as if they're the same. They're studying significant issues in our world today. And they take away a different view of prisons and incarceration than what's normally understood on campus. The inside students have felt that it's given them some options in life it's not hard to develop an attitude that their lives are lost. They're not valued in society, they don't deserve anything, so there's a lot of difficulty for them to see any hope in life. But uh, this program gives them some hope and it shows that they're intelligent, skilled people that have something to offer society. And when I talk to people inside, that's the number one thing they want to do, they want to give back. And a lot of times uh, there are professions that they just can't get into, but they have so much to offer because they understand what leads to incarceration and they have something to tell young people, older people, who end up on the other side of the law. And uh, it's something that the outside students learn as well, they learn that Something can happen to change your life very quickly. A bad decision, you know, people you're associating with, and it can happen easily to many of us. And the outside students understand that. They realize that punishment is not always the way to go, that people need to be given hope.
7: Why is it uh, important to educate someone who is in jail?
8: Well, the statistics show that it's, in a crass way, um, just financially better to rehabilitate people, to give people a chance, to give them some path. Society benefits immensely from people who are not going back into prison. The numbers are like, for every dollar spent, I think it's $5 benefit, because it's very costly to incarcerate people on a day-to-day basis costlier for women even than men. So it's very important for society to recognize that there are huge benefits and the recidivism rate is proven to be much lower for people who have education.
7: What type of programming would you like to make available and what is available now to them?
8: We are offering programs in criminal justice, in urban and inner city studies, in rhetoric, in uh, English, and uh, we're hoping that we'll have a full range of courses for students inside.
7: What are some of the success stories that you heard coming out of the program?
8: All of the seven are successes, I would say. But three students from this program, uh, one is um, in human rights. She has an idea of starting a radio program that will have a playlist that comes from the women in prison so that they'll be able to listen to music that they've chosen. And uh, she is uh, very creative, very energized to make change, and to write about what's happening in prisons. We have another student who um, is uh, an A student and really keen to make change. She wants to make change also at Edmonton, at the facility there, the federal facility. So she's been working hard to get um, this program out there. Another woman is taking courses in um, conflict resolution. They're bringing information to this university that we don't have, you know, knowledge that, that they have about human rights and um, about conditions that we need to, to think about in our prisons. Is there anything
7: else that you would like to add about the Wall Bridges program here in Manitoba?
8: Given this program and the response from students, both inside and out, the response from others, um, it's changed my teaching. It's been a, a gift to me, and I think the other... People, uh, the other faculty who are getting this training and community people who are getting the training feel the same way.
7: Thank you, Dr. Harris. Coming up, we'll hear from Beta Catchell, one of the inside students from the Wall Street Bridge program, hear about her experiences and how it has changed her life for the better right after this short break. Stay tuned. Can you tell me why you joined the program?
9: Um, well, I joined the program because it was offered while I was in prison. Um, I had a 22-month sentence there, and, like, obviously, like, I knew that I've hit rock bottom at some point, so uh, when it was offered to me, um, I was like, okay, well, there's only one way up, and that's and that's here, right? So, um, but after, like, I, I started taking the course, I took contemporary Indigenous literature,
10: Okay.
9: and... Um, after like that course, after I finished it, the feeling that I got after I completed it was uh was like I knew that's what I wanted to do when I got out is to be a student. So
7: what did the program mean to you?
9: I was a little bit nervous because I, like before I went in, I never thought that I would be a university student. Um, so it was a little bit like, nervous, especially taking the courses with the outside students because. I'm like, well, they're at a whole nother caliber than I am, right? But, you know, learning together, though, as, like, time went on, I started to feel like I was adequate enough, and it helped build my self-confidence and my esteem. Because after I saw my mark at the (laughs) the end of it, I was like, whoa, I did really good, and I think I can do this again. I do think that I am the best person for myself that I Mm -hmm. could be right now. Because, like, that experience uh, not only helped me grow and, help me find my individuality and my identity but as i'm like going to school right now i'm continuing to find my identity even more Mm. so um i wouldn't say that i'm better than other students or compare myself to other students but i know that i'm doing the best i can and i think my marks reflect that so
7: (laughs) awesome before the program started what were you feeling prior to this program
9: I really felt like, a, I felt a lot of anxiety of like, what am I going to do when I'm out? I knew I wanted to go back to school. That, that was a given. But I didn't know like how I would go about it, who I would reach out to, where do I even start? So before the courses came about, I actually didn't really feel a purpose anymore. Like I felt like I lost my humanity. I lost my individuality. Um, I also lost my sense of self because, you know, you're not mentally stimulated in there. You have nothing to really hope for, so.
7: Absolutely. So, what are you up to now?
9: Okay, well, right now I'm working on a majoring in human rights mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about um, working towards a double major in sociology as well. What what I'm working towards right now is t- uh, to go to law school. I want to be a human rights lawyer. Cool. Not a criminal lawyer. Human rights lawyer, there's a big mm-hmm. difference there. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I want to I start giving back and contributing some good to the world because even though like my experience of, of losing my humanity for for about 22 months, even though that experience wasn't good, um, there are people in this world that experience what I felt for generations. Mm-hmm. And even people in this city, you know, their parents go to jail, they go to jail and, and it's just constant and it's reflected. and. I want to help try and prevent it and do everything I can. I'm also active with the Walls to Bridges program as well. How so? Um, We have um, monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. And with those monthly meetings, um, outside students uh, can connect with students that were inside.
10: Mm.
9: And uh, when they get released, then they're able to to go into that program. And what we do together as a collective is figure out ways to move the Walls to Bridges program broader. Mm. It's kind of like a program... Uh, Ran by students, for students.
7: Oh, cool. Yeah. Since you have so much experience with the program itself, how has it changed your life, and what would you like to say about the program to people out there?
9: All I would have to say about the program is if you hear about it, support it. Um, If you know somebody in prison, make them aware of it, because, you know, sometimes it's not available, but it can be. And it's a possibility. And the more prisons it gets into, I believe uh, the more lives you'll change for sure. And like my, my parents have never been so happy for me to go to school. And I'm not doing it just for them, but I'm, I'm doing it for myself. I've never felt so accomplished. You know, I went through a period of rebellion and finally I can channel that into a way of of knowledge and being able to use that positively, that's why I want to go into human rights. Mm -hmm. Um, If you hear about it, support it, spread the word about it, because it is great and we're hoping to expand it, right? And that takes awareness and that's going to take support. And if you work in a halfway house or if, and as I said, if you have a relative in there, right? try and fight for that program to go in there and and contact one of us and we'll see what we can do because the more support we have, uh, the better the program will be and better things will happen from here.
7: Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming down and speaking with me. This has been really great.
9: (laughs) Thank you.
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd
1: like to hear more RC360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's
0: rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM.
1: And we'd love to hear your feedback about the program as well. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hi, tell us how we're doing, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also email us, rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org and our listener line phone number again it's 24 7 so just leave us a message that's 204-944-9474
0: extension 360 if you'd like to talk to us on twitter or facebook you can do that by searching for the winnipeg foundation on twitter which is at wpgfdn as well as searching winnipeg foundation on facebook as well I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for tuning into the show this
1: week, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.